We're in the second part of a three-part series called Washed Clean, looking at this encounters with uh, Naaman and uh, Elisha and the servants. And uh, sermon's called the series called Washed Clean, and I guess the idea is, uh, you know, that we want to be clean on the outside, but in order to be clean on the outside, we have to be clean on the inside. And so what is it like to live a life of faith that our insides match our outsides? And so we're uh, continuing the story. If you weren't here last week, it's online. And uh, Jesse has even turned it into a podcast on iTunes, which is terrifying to me. Uh, But you can listen that way. I listen now to myself every week. And uh, I just can't believe y'all keep coming. I mean, it is amazing. Your, your faithfulness to the Lord supersedes your tolerance of listening to me, for sure. So that is good. Um, but um, I invite you to stand as we continue in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. Stand as you are able in body or spirit for the reading of God's Word, the Holy Scriptures, Remember, Naaman, has got, he's a military leader from Syria. He's a foreigner, and he has come to Israel, and he's met Elisha in order to be healed of leprosy, and he's been commanded uh, to go wash seven times in the Jordan River. And after he has a hissy fit, and then after a servant reasons with him, he humbles himself and he agrees to go. So verse 14 Now, so Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have y'all ever heard that part? I mean, this is so, I love this. And I hope you'll come back next week because you won't believe what happens after this. You can just read it for yourself. Uh, but man, it's, it's, I mean, you might not want to come next week. It's not as pretty. Uh, it's not as fun. 
but sometimes we need all of the, the whole counsel of the Word of God, right? That's what the Scriptures say, preach the whole counsel. So I'm trying to preach the whole counsel today, which is this strange text. And I'll be honest with you, I've wrestled with it all week, I don't know what to make of it, but I'll, I'll do my best. In, in order, you need to understand this, the Old Testament is written, and, and really the whole Bible, but certainly the Old Testament is written by a few people, a handful of people, who are a member of a small, obscure tribe in the ancient Near East. We have such a large imagination, and Judeo-Christian culture has so taken over the world, in, in a sense, that we can magnify the biblical history in such a way that we think, like, oh, everybody knew who Abraham was back then. No! Hardly anybody knew who Abraham was. They were on the underside of power. I mean, the story of the Old Testament is the story of a very small tribe that is fighting for its identity amidst other superpowers. And you have to understand this if you're going to properly read the Bible. Because you and I are Americans. We are a part of the greatest global military superpower in the history of humanity. And so because of our culture, we have way more in common with the Egyptians, with the Babylonians, with the Roman Empire. I'm not saying we're bad. I'm not saying America's the baddies or anything like that. I'm just saying that when you read the Bible, it is so hard for you and me, particularly if you're uh, white, middle class, or upper middle class, we're a part of the, the strong. And the Bible is, you know how they always say history is written by the winners? The, the Bible is written by not the winners. That's a, it's an interesting document. The Bible is written by this tribe that keeps getting kicked in the teeth. Does this make sense what I'm saying? So it's a small tribe in the ancient Near East. And in order to understand this story, you have to understand this. Back in those days, the ubiquitous belief was that there were local deities. Every town and, and, and village and country had its own deity or deities. And this goes right up into New Testament times. You know, Ephesus would have its deity that they all worshipped in Corinth. Are you all tracking with this? And this is hard for us because you and I are pretty much monotheistic. Monotheism has taken over the world pretty much thanks to the Jews. Okay? But back in those days, even the Jews, if you read your Old Testament, even the Jews struggled to be monotheistic. I mean, even the first commandment, if you read it literally, it says, don't have any other gods before me. It doesn't say there's only one God. Now, we know that and we believe that. But God is telling the people, hey, I know there's a lot of gods out there, but I'm first. Don't be worshiping the Baals. Right? But do they worship Baal? Yeah, over, like, it's like they can't resist the pull of these idols. But that's because if it's not raining for weeks and weeks and weeks, we have little apps on our phones, but we worship. <laughs> we worship the Weather Channel app, <laughs> the weather gods. Right? But in those days, you were dependent on the land. And if y'all, maybe, 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 by the way, in it time it says L-O-R-D in all caps in the Old Testament. 
Cal, can you put the scripture up for today? Just kind of go, we'll go through the verses. Um, anytime you see L-O-R-D in all caps, the Hebrew word there is Yahweh. And so that's the name of the Jewish God, right? For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. And now, it'll be a bigger L usually than the O-R-D, but the O-R-D is all caps. And sometimes it's L, little O-R-D, and that's um, the, the Hebrew word is Adonai, which means Lord or Master or Sir. But anytime it's all caps, Lord, that's um, Yahweh. And occasionally it'll be G-O-D, all caps. I don't know why they do that, but that's also Yahweh. There's a couple instances of that. So, Yahweh is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yahweh is the God of Moses. Yahweh is the God that's revealed reveals himself to the people of Israel. But every town and village that they would inhabit had their other deities. So, so this is what I'm trying to tell you. Naaman has probably been sacrificing to gods in Syria, but it's not working. And he hears from the servant girl, if you'll go to Israel, Yahweh can heal leprosy. So it's not like he's, you know, converting. He's just an opportunist, like we all are, you know. If I hurt bad enough long enough, I'm pretty willing to listen to whatever advice you've got. And, okay, Yahweh, I'll go. So he's bringing all this money and stuff. He's trying to make an offering to the, the local, what he thinks is the local deity of Israel, Yahweh. Make sense? What happens here is amazing. And we might read right past it. If you're doing your read through the Bible in a year plan, you might read right past this and not notice that Naaman, I mean, for Naaman to get in the Jordan, that's a big deal. And we talked about that last week. But what happens afterwards to me is a far bigger deal. After he's healed, Naaman goes where? He goes back to Elisha's house. He goes back to say thank you. And remember how Elisha wouldn't come outside last week? He was testing him. Now he comes outside. It's almost like now it's like, now we can talk. <laughs> I couldn't talk to you when you were full of yourself. <laughs> Plus, I didn't want to get your leprosy. I'm kidding. He didn't say that at all. He didn't say that at all. That's horrible. Right? No, he says, now we can talk. <laughs> Right, now we can talk. And now it's like, you get it, right? It's like that moment when someone's been on the retreat. They've been on the mission trip. They come back. It's like, whoa, did you have the same experience I had? God's pretty cool, huh? Whoa, yeah, yeah. And there is, wow. And he's like, man, let me give you some money. And Elisha's like, no, no. That's not how this deal works. You cannot pay. It's grace. You cannot buy this deal. You can't pay for it. You know, it would be just so wrong of me to accept it. Pretty cool, right? And then he says, I love this. Can I have enough dirt for my mules to carry home? And this is so, this is so interesting to me. This is a conflicting statement. Because what he does is he's tribal. He's part of a tribal culture. You know, I'm a part of this tribe. 
But now I'm over here visiting a foreign tribe. And he says this. Now I know that there is no other God in the world but your God. And he names him Yahweh. So Naaman goes from a tribal consciousness to a global consciousness that quick. This is the same thing that happens to astronauts. There is a phenomenon that has been studied and written about. Astronauts who go to outer space, they leave Americans, they come back with a different view. And they, because they see, when you get outside of the planet, you see how small it is, you, just, and you, don't, you see there's no borders. You, know, you can't see the borders from up there. And you just come back and you're like, man, the things we worry about are just not that big a deal. And we got to figure out how to live together. Does this make sense? And Naaman has that same thing happen to him. He goes from a tribal consciousness to a global consciousness. There's only one God in all of the world. But then it's like he makes this conflicting move to me. Because he goes, I need some dirt from Israel to to take with me. It's like, what? If there's no God in all the world but Yahweh, do you really have to have dirt from Israel in order to worship Yahweh? But this is where he's wrestling. It's one thing to have an experience of God that changes your life. It's quite another thing to work it out, like the, the story that Preston was telling us about about the Chinese prisoner, right? It's one thing to know that you're called and you're a missionary. It's another thing, like, how do you work it out? Do you, do you just, it's black and white, I'm going to blah, 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 or do you uh, acclimate? Do you try to accommodate? Do you make compromises? I, and here's why I say this, because I like a lot of us will go, it's black and white. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? We love that kind of verse, Joshua, right? Because it, it, it sells. That's how, you, that's how you get elected. These black and white, pithy statements, simple. We're good. They're bad. We're the good guys. Stick with me. I'm following Yahweh. If you don't follow Yahweh... You're, you're, you're lower than low. You're scum of the earth. But then you have to go to work. Then you have to go to school. And they tell you, well, we've got a new policy. Um, you know, our human resources, the lawyers, da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. And I see a lot of you uh, hypocrites are still working. You know, you have decided, no, I, I think, there's a way for me to still do this job, but I, I, I need to moderate a little bit. And see, that's what happens. He says, I, he's so loyal to Yahweh. Now, Naaman says, I want to worship Yahweh. There's no other God but Yahweh. Can I have some dirt so that when I go home, I don't accidentally sacrifice to any other God? And this is where we could go for days on this. It's like, well, if there's no other God, like, like what Paul says. I mean, is, are you really sacrificing to an idol? There's not any, there's, it's meaningless. But Naaman has just had this thing. Like, it's hard when you have a, a, a belief setting, a, a set of beliefs that you've inherited from your parents, from your family system, from your church, from your culture, from the media. We're just, we are shaped 
We're so powerfully shaped by the politics we listen to, by the media we listen to, by the movies that we watch, by the music that we listen to, and like occasionally reading the Bible or other stuff. But you are way more shaped by your political consciousness than by your religious consciousness. Do you know this? Politics is the new religion in the United States of America. We are a post-Christian culture. And tribal, like, I can see it. I can see it in, in you guys so easily. And I'm not trying, I listen to different news outlets, and I can tell with, within seconds of having a conversation with somebody, if we get into politics, which news channel you listen to. Because you and I are just reflecting narratives of a tribe. So it's like, we, earlier we're like, they had this tribal consciousness, but we have this global consciousness. No, we don't. America has gone backwards. In fact, we're in the grip of a tribal war right now of different, it's not even ideologies because it's not rational. You and I are in the grip of a tribal warfare, a tribal conflict. And God in the Scriptures, you read it cover to cover, God in the Scriptures is always trying to invite us out of our boxes, out of our tribal identities, into the kingdom of God, into the life of God, which is always, always going to overturn and upset any tribal system, any ideology, any political ideology, any economic ideology. Are y'all with me? Okay, I'm, I'm telling you, like, this is so powerful. It used to be that we would get red in the face mad over religion. Nowadays, people hardly care. What people get red in the face mad over now is political ideology in this country. And you know why? Because that's what actually has our hearts. We care way more about political beliefs than we do about religious beliefs and they've gotten all intertwined and people do not like it i i don't get criticism for hardly anything except one thing if i if i talk about what someone in the pew thinks of as politics you know why because that's sacred ground not not the bible not religion do you see how what's more important do you get that? Well, I believe in separation church state. Well, me too. But I'm not really talking about that. We are in the grip of a tribal pull on our consciousness, on our hearts, on our minds. Um, and it's, 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 it's hurting our nation, for sure. It's doing great harm. Um, so, he asked for dirt. Naaman asked for dirt to take back home because he wants to worship the God of another country, even though there's no other God but this one God. But then he has an uh-oh. Uh-oh. He just remembered, I'm Naaman. I am the chief. I'm the, what do they call it? General. I am the general of the army. And when I am with the king, I have, I have to bow down 
if the king bows, I bow, or I die. Have you ever dealt with something like this? I know it's, this is hard to preach, but it's one thing to have a religious experience. It's one thing to have a spiritual experience and go, whoa, every, I see, now everything makes sense. But then you have to go back home. Right? How many women, how many women have had a spiritual or a religious experience that their husband didn't have? And so they know what God wanted them to do, but they also have to live with their husband. And their husband's going, I ain't giving money to that church. I mean, you can give them, you can give them some of your money if you want, if you make a little bit. We're not, tithe, tithe 10%, those people are, that, that is a shame. How many women have had to go home and know in their being that God is calling them to something and yet they're conflicted because I also have to be a wife and we've got kids and God must not be speaking to my husband. And maybe sometimes the flip side has also been true, right? Historically, because of imbalance, more often I think it's been women. Also, I think it's because, yeah, don't get it. I think men have been more stubborn sometimes. But, but, but also, there's been many men who've had a spiritual experience. And they come home and the wife says, you know, I'm so glad that you're all spiritual now, but I, I, I can't do this. So do you see what I mean? It's one thing to have a spiritual experience and be healed and be saved. It's quite another thing to go, how do we work this out? What if, so that's in the area of marriage. What about in the area of parenting? It's one thing to say, I'm a Christian. We're a Christian family. I'm going to raise Christian kids. And I don't care if you're in a public school or a private school, because I'm telling you, it does not matter. It is hard to be a parent and raise children in the world. And there, are, there will be moments. I mean, I'm experiencing them this week where my kid says, hey, everybody else is watching this video. Can we watch it? And here's the thing. It'd be easy to go black and white. Nope, in our house, we don't watch any of that nonsense. Then, then how's it go? Well, they're going to go to their friend's house and watch it, right? Or they're going to hate the church, or they're going to hate their parents, right? You see what I'm saying? Do I, what, I want it to be black and white, but when it comes to being parents and raising Christian children in the real world, there are times where it's like, I want to be loyal to God, but... And so there's times when we go, hey, you know, when everybody else does this, and I get that everybody at Byron Elementary or Byron Middle or K Road or Westfield or Tattnall or wherever your kids go, Stratford, like, there's a way that we do it here, and I get that everybody does it, but you know what? We're going to be different. There's times when you have to say, we're going to be different. But then there's times where we go, if I ask my kid to be different, they're going to get their head chopped off. Are y'all tracking with this? It's also true in your work, isn't it? If you work in most corporations, in most public institutions now, you know, people don't want religious zealots working for them. And quite honestly, you don't either if they don't agree with you. Come, right? I think we should have freedom of religion. Okay, uh, we're going to hire a Muslim imam to come work for us. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean, I mean freedom of my religion. <laughs> it's hard. But you know what? 
I remember when I was in school. And see, I came up after prayer was taken out of school, so I'm not mad about it like some of y'all, okay? Like, you have to understand, it was nor- like it didn't bother me. I didn't feel like it uh, harmed my life. Y'all might go, yeah, it did. But I, 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 we didn't know we were missing anything. And the truth was, some of the p- teachers did pray and kind of subverted stuff. But I always admired, like for instance, I had this, um, this science teacher in high school, Dublin High School, and she had a poster on her wall, and she had lot, they had lots of posters on their walls, but one of them said, as long as there are tests, there will be prayer in schools. I love that, right? Instead of going, the day everything went wrong in this country was the day they took prayer out of school. I mean, that's negative. And you're probably not going to put that poster on the wall and get away with it. But, but a little joke, a little funny, haha. but also a profound statement. As long as there are tests, there will be prayer in schools. And guess what? It actually reminded me to pray before I would take a test. I'd see that poster, and this arrogant person right here would go, hey, might as well ask God for help. Wow, pretty cool. I have another teacher that I remember. You know, and again, it was like this back and forth. I was in the school for the time that see you at the pole was like this. We're going to change, you know, this fight back. And I I did that stuff. Y'all remember that? The students are going to fight back, fighting the man. And I guess there's there's some beauty in that kind of valiance. But also, I think having been a youth minister for a long time, I have questions about how much see you at the pole really did in terms of actually transforming school culture or Christian culture. But even in that time when I came up, when it was like, we're not allowed to talk about it, we're going to anyway, I had this teacher, and and what I loved about her was she was just a great teacher. She was hard. She was a good teacher. She demanded a lot of her students, but also um, she was kind. She wasn't like hard teacher and mean. I had a couple of them, too, that were like, you're just terrified of. We loved her. She was good. She knew her stuff. She made it interesting. She demanded a lot of us. She never talked about her faith. She never had this anxiety about her like, you know, they won't let me, but I'm going to buy. No, you know what, though? I noticed this. She kept her desk real clean. I had hardly any posters on her wall. Very minimalist, you know, no distractions. Very clean desk, you know, maybe just a little bit of what she was working on. And then on the sort of the far right corner of her desk, Holy Bible. Just sitting there. No sign, you know, no sign with it going, yes, I am a Christian. No, no, just, just a Holy Bible, just sitting on the desk, right where we walk past. And I don't know why I thought about that this week. I thought about old Naaman. Because he, he, he's, he's been healed. He wants to pay for it. No. Well, can I, have some, can I just have some dirt? I just want to keep that. I want to take this home. He's scared. I don't want to lose this. I want to take some of this dirt so that I can keep having this experience of God. Okay, take dirt. Oh, and will you, will you, will you just pray for me? Because, see, i got to go to work when I get home. And I know there's a, a way that I could just, I could probably just quit my job. I can't quit my job, and I think it's what I'm called to do. But i got to go into the temple of Rimon. And if my master bows down, I have, I have to bow down. Would you pray 
to, to Yahweh for him to forgive me? This is like premeditated sin, isn't it? Just asking ahead. And, and this is what I want to leave us with today. What is Elisha's response? It's not, choose ye this day whom you will serve. It's not, thou shalt not bow down to any graven image. He could have quoted that stuff. What does he say? Go in peace. There's a lot of things in the Bible that are black and white, right? Idolatry is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Harming children is, I mean, like, wrong. You know, there are lots of things in the Scriptures that are black and white. But then when you have to work it out, there's sometimes not a lot of answers. What does it look like to be a Christian teacher in a public school? There's not, there's not a, the Bible doesn't give us explicit answers. But I love that Elisha says to Naaman, go in peace. The Hebrew word, shalom. It means you are right with God. You, you have peace. When you go into Rimon's temple and you have to bow down, peace. Peace be with you. Wow! That's wild. I don't know what to make of that. I'm scared to tell you. I'm scared y'all are going to do, go do crazy things this week and, and say, Tom said I'd have peace. I mean, you see what I mean? I, I don't know. But here's what I know. Working it out, we live... We want it to be black and white, but there is a lot of gray. There is a lot of gray. There is a lot, you know, if I get a bunch of money, am I supposed to give it all so that people can have their basic needs met in other countries? Or am I supposed to buy a new couch that we desperately need? Sometimes you buy the couch. Sometimes you give the money away because you've seen that the needs are so great. Is there a right or wrong answer? I don't know. But I know, that, I know that Naaman was wrestling with it, which I think helps. He cared. He cared about getting it right. And as long as we're caring about getting it right, I believe maybe, maybe there's some peace that we can have when we have to go to work on base, when we have to go to work in the hospital. And when, you know, there's rules. There's ways that we do things here, and we have to live within that. And yet, we want to be faithful to God in the midst of that. And what does that look like? Go in peace. Uh, Lord, I don't know how this lands or where this lands for a lot of us, but thank you for this strange encounter um, that I know I've been wrestling with. Lord, help us to be faithful. Lord, we do live in a nation where we have been loyal to you in, in times past, but our, our society is so tribal now. And everybody's got their causes and issues. And Lord, we don't want to get caught up in that. We want to be faithful to you in the area of our politics, in the area to, of our parenting, in the area of our marriage, in the area of our work. Lord, whatever arenas we operate in, we don't want to just reflect the, 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 the prevailing winds of the day. We want to be faithful to you. And Lord, help us. Working that out is really hard. Help us to be faithful to you in the midst of the difficulties of life. In Jesus' name, amen.